for those watching the video and wobbling the CMC bobblehead at the camera. Hello, boys uh, and girls, and welcome to the Gridiron Show. Uh, I'm Will Gavin, alongside Ollie Hunter and Michael McQuaid, and at least two of us are having a victory Tuesday today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that might have been the best opening ever, by the way. I love that. Brilliant. Uh, well, thanks. appreciate it. It's just me kissing a piece of plastic, ceramic, whatever it is. But it has taken a new pride of place on the shelf behind me. So uh, let's just put him on the edge of the uh, edge of the organ for now. There we go. Uh, right. You are listening to That's, it, He's actually got a, a, an organ in his house. Not... I just want to clarify oh, yeah, that. For the, for the audio, ver- <laughs> for the audio uh, podcasters, not weird. I promise. I swear <laughs> it. Not weird. Uh, this is the Gridiron Show, uh, wrapping up week eight of the NFL season. Loads for us to get into today. It's trade deadline day today, so we may get some breaking news during the show. And already over recent days, Roquan Smith moving from the Chicago Bears uh, to the Baltimore Ravens. So we'll discuss that deal as part of the show today. We will talk... CMC's three touchdown, one of every variant performance uh, coming up during the show. We'll get into Monday night football, Thursday night football, pick out some moments from the weekend as well. But first of all, Ollie Hunter, and let's start with Mike McQuaid, because he did get to see his team win at Wembley. How we recovered from the weekend? Really, really enjoyable weekend. Uh, great to see you lads again, as always. I think I feel like I've seen you lads over the last five weeks with London more than I've seen my family, which is a, always a great thing. But uh, we you are lads your killed family, it, Michael. I know, I know the the gridiron slash uh, talksport family. It's it's growing, and expanding. But uh, really, really enjoyed the weekend and in, enjoyed Wembley. But uh, also just great to see your team win and uh, just sit politely and statically in the press box and not celebrate the end of the game whatsoever so uh, no look great experience and it's hard to believe well that it's week nine this week this season's flying in man see it's funny you say about like the the not celebrate and being in the press box like firstly that press box has never been the most professional place in the world god love everyone uh, involved in it um <laughs> with you and i in there <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also, I do think like there's a slightly different feel to UK press boxes, that they can have a little bit more life, a little bit more soul to them, certainly than the kind of hermetically sealed American press boxes. And I, I always remember back to, and, and this brings us forward to, to this year's Super Bowl, back in Arizona, the site of my first Super Bowl that I certainly attended. And when you get into that kind of mindset and that mode, but then the game is phenomenal or something happens. I think the fan comes out in everyone. And when the Seahawks had the helmet catch followed by the Butler interception on the one yard line, we were in the auxiliary press box, which is like the, the kind of fake press seats they just put out in amongst the fans uh, for Super Bowl. And everyone was out of their seats and everyone was screaming and everyone was losing their minds. And it was fine because it didn't matter that you were a professional. You were still a football fan deep down. And it was, it was joyous. Yeah. I mean, and the atmosphere on Sunday in Wembley was pretty awesome. I'm not sure what you lads thought, but for me, it was like 60% Broncos. Am, am I being too... too no, I think you're about right. Broncos? I think it was 60. A lot of orange. You could be 65, 35. The, definitely the, the, the loudness. It was far louder when the Broncos did something good, which wasn't very often, than when the Jags did something good, which was even less often. Um, but... It was a. I thought it was definitely a more Broncos crowd, and I think that's something that we're starting to see more and more throughout the international series is over the years that more and more teams are being far more well represented. You're seeing less variant or less different jerseys because you're seeing more of the jerseys of either the the home or the away team. So I think that's what the NFL one in the end so that they can start thinking about having a team in London. But if you're a Jags, the Jags owner, Shaq Khan, you're thinking, oh no, this was a Jags, a Jags home game. And there were way more Broncos fans there. And the Broncos is a, you know, they're not the biggest of fan bases in the UK. So a bit worrying if you're a Jags fan slash owner. I'm going to disagree with 
with a couple of points there. But the main thing being that I don't think it was as high as 60-40 Broncos. I think there were a lot of people who were rooting for the Broncos as the team coming from behind as a neutral. But I thought that coming into the stadium around it, I thought there were a lot of Jags fans and I thought it was at best 50-50. It's just the way that the game ended was the nature of... I, and I actually think 50-50 is disappointing for Shard Khan after they've been out here for four years. But when the Broncos haven't been here for, what, 12 years, the last time was 20 2010 against the 49ers. What was the result of that game again, Mike? Um, the uh, I can't believe I'm digging you out for a game oh that happened God. 12 years ago. Someone's Absolutely feeling themselves. 12, this, this 12 week, years ago. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Um, Frank, did, Frank here, Gore, absolute, yeah. absolute legend. Did it, did, did everyone bring Shad? Now, to be fair to Shad Khan, he gave us all a scarf at the weekend. I mean, I'm presuming I'm just putting it on there. I couldn't even give mine away. <laughs> oh, he's nasty. He's nasty. I thought it was, very, I thought, was, I thought it was, was a very nasty. nice touch. Yeah, it was a nice touch. A nice yeah. touch. Right, don't forget that you can get in touch with us throughout the show if you're watching live on Twitter at Gridiron. It's at Will Gav, at Ollie Hunter, at. Come on, Mike. At Michael underscore NFL. It's not the easiest one, but underscore anyone, at Michael underscore NFL. A- anyone who puts NFL in their handle, just you're. Did you work for them? Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, look, you can get in touch with us on there, or you can drop a, a, a comment on the YouTube stream as well, which Groovy has done and said, just you wait until the Niners land next year that's not some inside information by the way i do think that we'll see some of the home marketing teams giving up games to come out here in the near future but actually the 49ers have got their nine home game like by yearly uh odd number of home games is this year so i don't think it'll be next year but maybe the year after that they'll give up a home game to come and play at the tottenham stadium uh, what i think is the big takeaway for me from this weekend firstly offenses are back We got lots of points this weekend. We got silly fantasy scores. We got lots of guys scoring multiple touchdowns. You know, Derek Henry became the first running back to ever have four consecutive 200-yard, two-touchdown games against the same team, which he did against the Texans. We had the likes of Alvin Kamara with his three touchdowns, Christian McCaffrey with his three touchdowns, AJ Brown with his three touchdowns. You know, superstars turned up in a big way on Sunday night. And actually, I think you were left with We know who the great teams in the NFL are, right? We know that the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles right now are the really great teams in the NFL. And I'd argue that the rest of it, barring two or three bad teams, is all kind of in this just middle thread. I think this weekend we saw a few teams emerge and have that performance, which can see us actually say, right, this could be the turning point for their season. I think Dallas is a good example of that. I think San Francisco are a good example of that. I think the Titans are a good example of that. Actually, I have to say, considering, you know, you're still three and five, I think the Broncos are a relatively good example of that because it was a very losable game that you didn't lose. Still not quite buying it. But how are you feeling about your team leaving London, Mike? How are you feeling about them going into the bye and going into the, the rest of the season? I, I definitely feel more positive and you know you mentioned the Niners game 12 years ago there I think it's important to mention that the last time they came over to London their head coach didn't make it back for different reasons and it wasn't something that they look back on in, in a positive way I think now they will uh, their GM uh, sorry yeah their, their president worked with NFL International so it'll be interesting to see what happens there so maybe they'll be back again in the future feel better about it um, ironically Justin Simmons the guy that uh, played very well on Sunday uh, his wife had a baby so he could have been away on Friday if that had happened a couple of days beforehand I think the team I, I don't think the coach is the answer so it'll be interesting to see they need to win over the next few weeks but uh, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying in regards to some of those teams uh, the Titans especially but um I think I think your Niners will put down a massive statement on Sunday. I, I know they always sort of get the the win at Levi South. Can we call it? Is, is that is it fair to call it that? But, uh, it's what George Kittle called it in a post game interview. Obviously, uh, they were great, him. mate. They were great, really, really good on Sunday. Uh, Second look, half, think, they were. Uh, oh, I still think they were good in the first half. They just didn't. The defense made adjustments in the second half, which was massive, and the linebackers actually turned up to an extent. I think it took a real while in that game uh, to get like, Oren Burks, for example, going, and he was picked on by Cooper Cup on a lot of occasions. And actually, I think that what you're going to see with that Niners defense on that side of the ball is that against middle to average teams, they'll be good 
regardless of having the injuries that are missing because the backups can step in and do a decent job. That actually, when you play the Chiefs, like we saw last weekend, or a team like that, if you don't have both starting linebackers, if you don't have both starting defensive ends, if you don't have two of your top three corners, then those teams are going to exploit the weaknesses. Those well-coached teams, those good offenses are going to be able to pick you apart. And I thought the Rams might be able to do that, and they did early on, but it was some good adjust- adjustments from D'Amico Ryan that absolutely shut down the Rams in the second half. Obviously, the excitement is around this young man. Mr. CMC, because you know, people looked at it and they're saying you're trading four picks for him as high as a second rounder for a guy who has some injury history, for a guy who we don't know if he's explosive as he once was. There's been some really interesting reporting over the last couple of days around how the decision to go for CMC was come to. And actually, there's been a lot of talk about you know, trying to usurp the Rams and getting in front of them. But when they played them on October 9th, they blew the Panthers out at 37-15. All of them came away from that game. All of the offensive staff and all of the defensive players came away saying, wow, that guy is still unreal. He's still got burst. He's still super physical. He's clearly really smart. And they kind of made a decision over those next couple of days, right, let's do what we can to, to bring him into the building. And I think you saw the way that he is, the way that even in week one, he consumed that playbook in just 24, 48 hours and managed to perform to a decent level. Probably the only bright spot in that Chiefs game. But this weekend, I mean, the thrown touchdown was obviously, you know, he's not going to do that another eight times this season. It was a trick play. It was fun to see. He's got a good arm. And the running is just sensational. But it's the part, the receiving touchdown that got me really excited because He's only been working in pads with Jimmy Garoppolo, what, for four days total, if you include the Chiefs game. And if you actually watch the way that that play develops, McCaffrey goes out into the flat on the right-hand side and is he is the the dump-off option. He is the check down. He's the guy who's available as an outlet if actually the side of the field which Jimmy's reading, which is the left-hand side of the field, isn't available to him. What McCaffrey sees is the defender in the flat bite on George Kittle's route into the back of the end zone and just take a step in the wrong direction. And McCaffrey takes one half look at Garoppolo and just goes. It's not his route. It's not what he's meant to do. He heads into that back corner of the end zone. Garoppolo sees him, puts it on a dime. And Garoppolo played really well on Sunday, you have to say. Admittedly, not under as much pressure as he probably should have been, considering the quality on that Rams defensive line. But the throw to Kittle was excellent. The throw to McCaffrey was excellent. But it's just that that communication. And actually getting to see Christian McCaffrey working in a proper offense. We've seen how brilliant he was in Carolina, despite that place having been a coaching shambles for so many years. Just think about how exciting it is to have him in an offense which is well coached, with a lot of talent around him, with Kyle Juszczyk to come back, with Debo Samuel to come back, with, I mean, even you know, Mike McGlinchey didn't play well and hasn't played well since he's come back from injury. I still think there's a lot more to come from him. Like, if they get fully healthy at any point on offense, which is not a given with the 49ers, that offense is as good and as terrifying as any in the league, including Buffalo, I think, despite not having a quarterback who can be considered top tier. I do still feel what happens against really good teams when you get deep in the playoffs, but I'm excited about what I've seen over the last two games, particularly this weekend. And getting deep in the playoffs is what it's all about. And by the time, fingers crossed from your point of view and the 49ers point of view, if they get there, you'd have had an extra 10 weeks with Christian McCaffrey and all the other pieces all being part of that offense. Shanahan regularly building new plays and and utilizing and getting the best out of his incredible resources that he has on offense. I mean, it's scary to think when you have that dual threat of McCaffrey and uh, Debo Samuel coming back, especially when you've got then um, you've got George Kittle there as well. Brandon Ayuk had a really good game as well. So it's just, it's a scary looking offense when you've, when you think about the the brains behind all of that offense as well and, and what can happen. And just football smarts from McCaffrey to, to find that open space as well. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, it, that's the kind of thing that you can't really teach. He's just got that, right, I'm going, put it on me. I'll catch it. Touchdown. Love it. I love McCaffrey. I've loved him for a long time. And I think it's just a match made in heaven, him going back to to California, back towards Stanford. Um, He's just agreeing with everything you're saying. And coached by his former babysitter. Uh, it's just <laughs> amazing. 
story. Why did the Rams ever think they had a chance? Like, genuinely, why, why, like, considering that Ed McCaffrey played for Kyle Shanahan's dad and John Lynch went to Stanford and has known him for years. And like you said, yeah. Kyle was his babysitter. Uh, as long as the offer made sense, it all made sense. Yes. Uh, look, we've got lots still to break down from the weekend, including I want to talk about the Roquan Smith trade. But we have a trade, live trade reaction for you. Oh, here we go. So, just I should have had like you know like like Ollie Hunter as his kit watch thing. I should have been like, like some sort of alert or something. Do 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 do. We have got a trade. Uh, the Lions are sending tight end TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings uh, for a 2020. So Minnesota are sending a 2023 second round pick and a 2024 third round pick to Detroit for Hawkinson. Uh, a 2023 fourth round pick and a 2024 conditional fourth round pick. Uh, I'm not sure how that, t- how that tweet's worded. However, the Vikings, yep, are getting TJ Hawkinson and six, like six and one. So for them to get another weapon in that offense, uh, after Kirk Cousins had an interesting performance at the weekend, he didn't realize he had such wheels uh, on Sunday. But there's your first trade. And I guess the NFL lads just wait until we get ready to go. That's an incredible trade for the Vikings. That's amazing. Hawkinson's the, he's probably the best past. Uh, uh, catcher of a ball at the Lions, or he was. Um, he oh, a mum, a St. Brown might have something to say. No, I think I you've only got one season of, of St. Brown doing it, one and a half. Whereas Hawkinson's what two and a half years at tight end, he's a good tight end, good blocker as well. But it's just it's the way that he finds those seams, he's great after the catch, great after contact as well. I think that's an amazing trade. And the Vikings never really replaced Kyle Rudolph, and they probably have replaced him with someone better or could be better. Uh, Irv Smith Jr. Has, has struggled to stay fit and hasn't really kicked on. So I think it's an amazing trade. Brilliant stuff from the Vikings, really capitalizing on their good start, a team which was good, but they needed that extra little thing to become potentially great. This could be it. This could be the catalyst. And when you've got the Packers struggling, the Bears giving away the house... I think that's an amazing trade. Amazing. I am. Well, um, the Vikings are all in, mate. They're all in. This is it. A second I, I, rounder for him. Well, I really rate Irv Smith Jr. I think he's excellent, but he had another high ankle sprain this weekend. And, you yeah, know, that is, that's a big deal for them at a position where the tight end has always been a big outlet for, uh, uh, for Kirk Cousins when you've got good receivers beyond that. Obviously, Justin Jefferson is absolutely a top-tier player. There were some rumours about a Hawkinson move last week that never came to fruition. So, obviously, this was something Detroit were already looking at. You know, he's coming up for a new contract, which is always a, a big catalyst in these trade situations. And he's already had, like, a good start to the season. Uh, like, he's had one or two absolutely massive games and he's been uh, up and down. It was it the Seattle game where, the, I mean, admittedly, they scored 45 points in that game, but two touchdowns, eight catches, is 179 yards. Beyond that, he had an 80-yard game against Miami, but a lot of that came on a 58-yard catch. And other than that, he's targeted five times, four times. Like He's very much in the middle of that group in uh, in Detroit, but has always shown that that top-end flair. And I think the fit is great, and I think the fact that it's a clear position of need for Minnesota is great. And actually, like... We, we had some doubts about Minnesota last week, and those doubts still linger for me to an extent. I, I think Arizona are obviously a better team now that uh, DeAndre Hopkins is back, and that has made a big difference to them. But Minnesota have beaten a lot of bad teams this year. With the situation that's going on at the Packers right now, they've got this big lead in the North. They should be looking for a playoff spot. They should be looking for a home game in the playoffs. Kevin O'Connell's gone, well, we've got a good young core around him. We've got Jefferson. We've got Thielen. We've got Dalvin Cook. You know, that's now a really, really talented offense. And I still think the defense, particularly the back end, needs to to, to improve. But, hey, if you want to go down a we'll score more points than you route, I absolutely support that. Yeah, and I think that's what pretty much what they're going for. And remember, you, you mentioned the, the quiet of the games for Hawkinson. He's got Jared Goff throwing at him. And Jareth Goff is is absolutely useless. Kirk Cousins is is a run. He had another couple of good throws this weekend, though. The thing is with Goff is he has like four or five throws a game. You go, oh, yeah, that's an NFL quarterback. And then just some decisions. Well, he's Wentz, isn't he? He's another Wentz. Cousins is is a couple of rungs up the ladder on the the QB scale or the QB ladder. Um, So to have a, a better player throwing 
the ball to him. And when you've got in the mix Thielen and, and Jefferson and KJ Osborne had a really good catch over the weekend and Dalvin Cook, it's it's a scary as a Green Bay Packers fan and our defense sucks. Um, it's a scary, scary proposition that that amount of weaponry on that offense. And you, but you're right, Will. The, the defense hasn't really been doing that great. I, I, you know, I still love Daniel Hunter, no relation. But um, other than that, you're right. The, the the backfield, Harrison Smith looks like he's starting to age. So the backfield doesn't look. You know, the secondary doesn't look he that had great. A couple but... of good plays this weekend again, though. Like, he showed that like, he had the inception, and he just I, that's one thing that I had down in my notes about the Vikings game is that actually Harrison Smith probably had his best game in about three seasons. Like, I he don't did know, allow the DeAndre Hopkins but... touchdown, that crazy catch. Uh, it was a great yeah. catch, but yeah. that was on Smith. Does, does that count as allowing? Like, if a guy manages to reach out an arm, like, go, go gadget about five yards behind him and somehow pluck the ball out of the, the air, like, I don't it. I'm but not sure the coverage was bad. Like, I'm not sure he should have got into that position. Maybe if I would. I would love to be a fly in the wall between the Lions and the Vikings. I mean, first off, the Lions traded from what thirty second to twelfth to pick up Jamison Williams from the Vikings in terms of the, of the, the draft. Uh, now they trade for TJ Hawkins and the Vikings. There's a comment, lads, from Johnny on Twitter saying the Lions now have two first and two second round picks, so they're primed to bounce back. Uh, is this a fire sale in Detroit at the minute? I'm not sure it's a fire sale, but. Two, two firsts, two seconds in a draft that we don't think is very deep at a lot of positions, but has one position in particular, which guess what? They desperately need a quarterback. I think they're going to end up picking in the top five regardless because of where the NFL is going right now. But as long as if they can either move up, if there's one of the guys they absolutely love, then they have the uh, they have the assets to move up and go and take the one guy they love at one. If they're happy with any of those three, he'll go at the very top end of the draft next year. Then I would suggest that you're going to be in position anyway. And now what you can do is put some more pass catches around them. I I, I like. Um, James Williams, who you mentioned, I think he's sensational. It just hasn't got back from injury yet. I mean, two dynasty leagues, and I picked him up in both, knowing that he's going to sit in my IR all year, but I think he's going to be brilliant. The line's already good there. The defense has some good young pieces. Like, that Lions team is primed for, with a quarterback in place and with high picks next year, to have a really big jump. And we've already seen a much better year out of them so far, even if the results haven't been there. Yeah, I think that's exciting. And the the, the divisional rival thing, the point is that right now, as far as Minnesota are concerned, they're not a rival and similar to Detroit. Detroit go, this helps us long term. Minnesota says this helps us short term. And this year, it doesn't really harm either of us against each other. So, F it. Let's just do it. Like, I, I, maybe they paid a slight tax on it. Maybe they had to pay a third instead of a fourth in the, that pick swap. But, you know, the second round pick feels about right. And if you're the Lions and the Vikings, you're thinking... Packers, the Packers are useless. We've had enough of the Packers being good for 30 years, give or take a couple of seasons. So let's see if uh, I, I'm happy to I'm happy to help a rival to, to, to knock off another rival. It might be a little bit of that. Can we talk about the Roquan Smith trade? Because a, a second and a fifth for Roquan Smith, who is a very, very good player. It, it's a really fascinating thing for the Ravens to do. I, I, Baltimore have Patrick Queen there, who... Every now and again, he's probably had two games this season where he has looked like an absolute top-tier middle linebacker. And obviously in a city where their whole franchise was built off the back of Ray Lewis. Like, they are they're, they're modern franchise for Baltimore Colts fans out there. Apologies. Sorry I'm not banging on about Johnny Unitas right now. But, you know, that is... It's clear that Harbour values that position. It's clear that the city values that position. And now what you're doing is you're going and adding a proper top tier veteran to go alongside your young talents who have been very up and down I don't buy into this idea that this is a rental to compete this year, they put in a second and a fifth, right now they've got 48 million dollars in cap space for next year which, yes they have to sign Lamar Jackson to his massive deal at the end of the year or franchise tag him, which I guess the quarterback franchise tag now is going to be getting up to around the 40 million dollar mark with the deals for for guys like uh, Mahomes and Wilson and Rodgers and yeah oh and there's yeah exactly there's some massive deals to be done as well yeah um 
but I, they're going to have space to sign him. And I think they signed him on a four or five year deal and he's still got plenty of time to, to perform. So I, I love it for the Ravens. Maybe a little pricey, but you know, I think it helps them compete this year and he's a good long-term option for them. They're just going to have to sign him. They're just going to have to pay the man. Yeah, it was the first big trade to come in to just come in last night, and it was it was quiet enough yesterday. Usually, I mean, I guess we're going to have a, a very very busy evening, and hopefully, we get one or two more before we go off air here. The Ravens have really struggled to find consistency at the second level on 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 their defense, and I guess bringing them in allows Patrick Queen to be used more as a downhill player. The biggest question for me, though, lads, is. Uh, how do they both work together, Queen and Smith? You know, is it a situation where they're going to use it for a half season, or are they going to try and sign them to a long term deal? Uh, look, it's it's a sort of trade that works out for both teams. I'm intrigued to see because this Ravens defense has been interesting over the first few eight, eight weeks of the season. How it works, but Ravens fans are buzzing, um, and Bears fans are happy. They're getting themselves into that sort of building situation. I and I, I don't want to go into the, to, to talking about a different player, but. Justin Fields done what he had to do the other night. It wasn't on him. And I, I feel like the Bears are on that very, very long journey. But I feel like they're getting there making plays like this. I still think Baltimore need a, a, a top-tier pass rusher in next year's draft if they can get one. But I think what you do is you have Roquan Smith as the three-down middle linebacker who can cover, who can get up to the line, who can do it all, basically. And then Patrick Queen becomes your, like, will linebacker when you're playing, you know, nickel when you're playing anything. Anything where there's more than one linebacker on the field, Queen becomes your second guy. And you're not having to rely on him as your every-down guy, uh, kind of spying in the middle of the field, doing all the things that they do there. But you do have, right now, they're kind of relying on, I think Adafi always had some really good flashes this year, but you're kind of relying on Justin Houston and Jason Pierre-Paul and, you know, these this litany of aging guys to make maybe five impact plays a game maximum and rotate them in. Plus, you're going to have Calais Campbell coming back, similar kind of thing with Calais Campbell. Like you've got all these aging guys who can maybe contribute for a third of the game, but not for the whole game. And so that's, that's their biggest point of worry, but I just wrote on Swift just fits what they do so beautifully. So I think I'm, it's I'm just a, it. a, a brilliant thing that they're narrowing the field. I mean, the, the side to side, the touchline to touchline um, aspects of both Smith and, and, and Queen means that they, the, the field is getting smaller for offenses especially in the AFC and you know I think that's a, a really key thing for the Ravens that make that field smaller try and get them to throw to to a pretty good secondary and that coverage Marcus Peters et al I think it's a, a really great move from Harbaugh I never answered we, we never actually answered I saw that somebody actually asked the Detroit rebuild fire sale question earlier as well I think when you talk about the picks they've already got I don't think there is a need to fire sale there's not actually anyone else on that roster who immediately jumps out to me as as movable uh, immediately like I think Hawkinson is replaceable in terms of the production that he's had and you've already gone and got Jamison Williams he is very much a, a receiving tight end um yeah I don't know I, I'm I'm liking all the trades so far I think they've all been beneficial to all yeah yeah and, and and the Bears lads have got now four picks in the top seventy five as it stands next year. Oh, oh they're wasting. That. <laughs> <laughs> they won't take a quarterback because they're convincing themselves they, that now they... Justin Fields is using his legs a bit that he's suddenly great. <laughs> have the Bears done on recent draft picks? Exactly. Come on, there's there's they're broken. They're a broken franchise as much as the Green Bay Packers are um, on the field. The Bears are broken off of it. Terrible organization. To be fair, I'd have, <laughs> yeah, I love it so much. I'd, I'd have said the same about the Seahawks. Like, their recent drafting, plus their recent use of picks, have been atrocious. And then this year, they've had a draft for the ages, by the looks of it so far. Like, just hit after hit after hit. Like, Charles Cross has been great. They get the two yeah, the two corners in Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen, who've been fantastic. Kenneth Walker's a massive playmaker. Like, yeah, yeah that you know... The, um, the Bears could have a draft like that. I'm just saying, it's possible. Give yourself. But it's a funny chance. with Cross, especially. I remember people saying, "Well, he's they they've over, you know, they've overclubbed for him. They've they've taken him way too early." And and look at the performances he's he's pulling out. So the Seahawks are are an interesting team, um, or the Mariners, as uh, as <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's uh, one of the zebras called them. But yeah, I, 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 crazy to think that. 
a lot of people thought at the beginning of the season, myself included, probably will as well, that they would struggle in that division. And they're sort of pulling themselves out of it, mainly because Geno Smith is still playing really good football. Uh, the, the disrespect to Geno Smith from the NFL right now, by the way, I'm sure everyone else listens to many other podcasts, uh, you know, uh, the, around the NFL, MMQB, whichever ones you listen to, Game Day, you know, all of those ones. Um, the advert that they're running for the Munich games that goes Brady and the Bucks, DK and the Seahawks. It's like, <laughs> oh, Geno, poor oh, Geno, he's been unreal. Yeah. I can't wait for that next weekend, lads. It's going to be a great crack. I will say this, and I'll put it to both of you, right? Just to jump in, because I had this argument with somebody else last night. If the Seahawks win another four games, and the way that everybody thought they were done at the start of the season, could you can could could you look at Pete Carroll for coach of the year for what he's done to that team and his leadership? Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's his best coaching job since yeah. their since their the Super Bowl run to the Patri- against the Patriots. It's. I think he's been forced into reacting to Russell Wilson going and has done an unreal job this year, more so on both sides of the ball than he has done at any point in maybe the last 10 years. I, it's his best coaching job personally, and he's right up there. I kind of feel like Nick Sirianni's going to get it already. I, I, if the Eagles probably only lose one, two games the rest of the year, but he's got to be in that conversation, surely. Uh, I mean, uh, there are quite a few Um potential candidates uh, i think salah has um has fallen out of that after the defeat of the patriots this weekend but oh the, poor bobby you know the, the brian dable as well the, the, you know the giants were everybody's number one draft uh, number one pick for the draft next year but on the seahawks if we go through their schedule i'll have a look at the next six games just have a look at their schedule <laughs> that's such an inside joke between me you and like four talk sport listeners that <laughs> yeah. listen to this it's an alan brazilism he always looks at the next six games but um uh, but, you can imagine them. They've got the Cardinals, the Bucks, the Seahawks, the Rams. The Seahawks. They are the Seahawks. Cardinals, Bucks, Raiders, Rams twice, Panthers, Chiefs, 49ers, and Jets. There's four winnable games in there, at least. So I, I agree. I think Pete Carroll's done a brilliant job. And it just shows when you get rid of the distraction and the, uh, m- shall I say, maleficent? Yeah, I'll, go, I'll say it. Um, the maleficent Russell Wilson from your organization, you can start to, to coach properly. You can start scheming properly. You can draft properly. They managed to retain two brilliant wide receivers in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. By the way, what about uh, Lockett dropping that ball at coming, cannoning off his helmet, uh, getting a little Bartez head rub from, <laughs> and then uh, coming back and scoring that touchdown. It was a, it was a lovely Great story for anyone that's not a 49ers fan or Will Gavin. Um, so th- I think Pete Carroll's done a really, really good job in in retaining players, getting rid of bad eggs, and drafting well as well. I look forward to watching the Seahawks game with Will in person next week. Please, God, it's going to be fun. Well, he's got the Seahawks against Brady, so I have no idea where where uh, Will Gavin's loyalties would lie. I think I'm leaning towards Seahawks, despite... Everything that happened. I actually think Will's... Uh, oh, he's back. Here we are. Hi, Will. Can you hear us? I'd, okay, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, had a, I'd had a little wobble. I wasn't just throwing my tools out of the pan <laughs> about, the, uh, about the Seahawks. Uh, although, obviously, the Niners are going to beat them on Thursday Night Football in Week 15 and win the division. So don't worry about it, guys. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there is, like... Uh, I didn't say it earlier because you let me ramble on way too long about the 49ers. But the last point on them being excited about the second half of the year. Mike, they have nine games remaining this season. Do you know how many of those are at home? I'm going to guess straight up five. Seven. No. Seven of their remaining nine games are on home soil. And they've already had an extra one, obviously, being at uh, SoFi at the weekend. So that's that's not bad. Not, not bad at all. No <laughs> wonder. He's so, you're so feeling yourself. It's crazy. <laughs> you're, fully in, you're fully in with all of the 49ers commentators in Papa Papa and T-Rock you've uh, uh, you've got the Kugler stuff and uh, Kruger and you've got all this, the gridiron the gridiron um, 49ers podcast as well you you were all over that it's it's so 40, you're so 49ers at the moment and crowing 
crowing like I've never known you to crow before. <laughs> crowing at a four and four is ridiculous. It's one of the worst things I've ever done. And we're probably going to end up with a losing record, but it's yeah. very funny. It yeah, probably, I, but it sums up the it. NFC. It sums up the NFC this season that we're talking about. I mean, like bringing in, Garbage, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave this with CMC, like, but bringing him in adds that dynamic part for Jimmy G now. Like all the Jimmy G hitters now are going to, well, you got McCaffrey there. He makes him a better quarterback. And we've seen that on Sunday. So if I were you, well, I'd be a very happy man. I think the Niners are going to be up there in January. And we and spoke just, about it. Sitting. Sorry, Michael. We spoke about it on uh, TalkSport 2 the other day. Where are the 49ers in that NFC? Because I think I have Dallas as the second best team in the NFC. Really. They, they were brilliant. on. on so the- good. Looks like Dak might be back to his best. No Ezekiel Elliott. But when Elliott comes back... Tony Pollard, who who just is so good after contact, so shifty and elusive. They've got CD Lamb is 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 pulling up trees now. He's 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 finding his straps. Gallup is is working his way back into the team. Dalton Schultz will always catch you a ball, and then that's all just on offense. And you look at the defense, Mika Parsons, and then everyone else kind of just is feeding off off of that energy. It, it, and even Mike McCarthy isn't getting in their way. So I, the 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 Cowboys, they're a, they're a scary prospects if you're anyone but the Eagles. And maybe the Eagles should be thinking, well, they're a bit tricksy for us. I think Pollard's RB one in Dallas. He's better. Like I mean, Ezekiel Elliott's time is up. Lads, what three touchdowns on Sunday? 130 odd yards for the Bears. Even like I know we're sort of having a bit of guff there, but Justin Fields is that a word in England? Guff. Yep. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, to still it's score 29 points Michael, so. to, <laughs> to still score 29 points against that Dallas defense is a pro for them but uh, man Dallas look really really good in both sides of the ball and Mika Parsons is just unreal like it, look it's what 1995 96 since they last got to the dance and won it could be an interesting few months ahead if it was uh, imagine the Niners Cowboys NFC Championship that would be fun that would get people going So we talk about the NFL, but have you ever experienced the NFL in its natural state, live and in person in America, surrounded by tens of thousands of screaming partisan fans after spending hours beforehand in the car park outside the stadium, enjoying a cold beer, maybe one or two, as the smell of barbecue and tailgate food wafts deliciously through the air. If not, or if you have, and you fancy doing it again well. Touchdown Trips, folks, are the experts in creating amazing travel packages for your favorite NFL team. And when we say amazing, we mean it. The guys and the girls at Touchdown Trips put fans first and are passionate. The fans who book with them get a proper, unforgettable, and more importantly, a unique NFL experience. You don't just get tickets, but an authentic pre-game tailgate with local fans. College fan? You want to go to a college game? Stadium tour? Why not? As well as all that, they include flights from across the UK. They've got fantastic hotels and anything else you may want to add, such as an NBA game or an NHL game or a local excursion to create truly bespoke packages that are more importantly, at all protected and up to bonded. So if you're thinking of going to a game this season or next and just want to get in touch, give the team at Touchdown Trips a shout today at touchdowntrips.com. Check them out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash touchdown trips or Twitter at touchdown trips. Touchdown Trips, you have to see it to believe it. I would love, I would love Dallas to come back to London next year. It would be amazing. Get Jerry Jones over again like he did last time when they beat the Jags. How many years ago? Seven years ago? Six years ago? Something lot, like that. A very, very long time now. Yeah. And they're sort of due back. But I think they've got yeah. the international home market with Mexico. So, I mean, it goes uh, away team, maybe. Do they? Okay. Don't okay. Know. But still. But, I mean, we'll explain it very well. I think it's the AFC next year, Will, isn't it? For the home teams, isn't it? I think. Uh, something like that. Yeah, it makes it, that's what makes sense. I mean, obviously, the Jags thing is totally separate, but yeah, yeah, for the two London games, you'd expect it to be those teams who have a home game. Um, we we missed so much. We've been a bit scattergun. I blame the Vikings and the Lions, so we've missed so much from the weekend. We haven't talked about the Panthers Falcons game yet, <laughs> which was a game. easily game of the weekend. 
I don't blame DJ Moore. I don't understand all the hand wringing. It was a moment of emotion. Like the 15 yards and the missed, mixed extra, missed extra point. People want to equate those two things as if that's the same as catching a, what was it? I mean, through the air, that ball went, I think he was around about the 35. So it went 65 yards through the air, catching it over the shoulder into the end zone. It was an unbelievable play. I, d- I don't blame them. You know, Eddie Pinero needs to make that short field goal in, in overtime. Then they win that game and deserve to win that game. PJ Walker, again, made four or five big throws that were unbelievable. But the Falcons are up to four and four and the best team in the NFC South at the moment. Mental. It, it, that is mental because, again, it's, it's like the Giants. No one gave them a hope. Mariota coming in, a, a, a quarterback that hasn't, has been beset with injuries since he came in with the Titans and, and hasn't really done anything since then. Going off and doing um, backup roles around the NFL, coming in and, and kind of, all right, he's always going to give you those interceptable passes and those those dodgy moments. But he's really stepped up. And the, it's as though the whole t- team, the whole franchise has said, right, this is sort of a free shot this year. No one's expecting anything of us. And they've capitalized on a bit not working out in Carolina for Baker and and then CMC going. And all right, the Panthers is actually really good since CMC's gone. But um, Tom Brady having a down year, the Saints being a weird, weird team. You know, they are feast or famine, aren't they? One week they're, they're, uh, they're brilliant offense and, and, and like they were against the Raiders. And, and, um, and then brilliant on defense, shutting them out, give, shutting the Raiders out. But the week before, they can give up loads of points and, and not score any points. They really are the quintessential, I don't know what's going on team. So in that NFC South, they've really just really grabbed it, haven't they, the Falcons? And they're just a fun, fun team. Fun team to watch. Love it. Dante Foreman, by the way, has always had that in him. He had a 2,000-yard season at Texas, and I I think he's that that level of player, and he's the guy that everyone should have picked up in fantasy already in the last couple of weeks. But if he's still available in your leagues, go get him. I like the Panthers for another three or four wins this year. Really, I do. And maybe Steve Wilkes given a a actual opportunity because in Arizona he never really was. So, yeah, I'm I'm liking the Panthers Panthers a lot. I just think it's ironic that you bring in Sam Darnold and all that capital. You bring in Baker Mayfield. He's now been benched for PJ Walker. PJ Walker's touchdown to DJ Moore was the uh, the most air yards on a touchdown since 2006. A guy called Tim Jenkins coached PJ Walker uh, very, very high in him. And I, I never really thought about it, but now watching him at Sunday, like... He he's the guy for Carolina. Build build around PJ Walker. Take this and put this out as a social hit for the next the next six months. I agree. Well, you 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 get rid of the head coach. You you allow them time, and we've seen it albeit against a, a very very poor Bucks team, but they're they're still putting up what thirty four points in in one game. They're going in the right direction there, albeit in what is a lost season for this team. Uh, Browns Bengals Monday Night Football. Did anyone else do the whole? Oh, it's an early, an hour earlier this week, so I'm going to stay up and watch it live because I did. The first half of that game was the most sloppy and shambolic half of football <laughs> in modern memory. Like the number of turnovers, the number of turnover-worthy plays that weren't turnovers, the number of sacks, the number of times people got to the quarterback. Like it was just astonishing, and. The Browns getting that big lead just after the second half and then taking that game over through fantastic offensive line play. Jacoby Brissett just was so clean in the second half. And there was just there was one blitz uh, towards the end of the first half where the Bengals absolutely got home and it was sensational. But outside of that, they did nothing interesting on defense at all. And the Browns just totally have their number and, and then got the running game going and ran all over them. The bigger worry for me is that the Browns' defense isn't that talented and they were made to look like the Broncos or the Cowboys or the Niners this season, any of those kind of top-tier defenses that we've got in the NFL right now because not only is Jonah Williams a complete revolving door at left tackle, but that whole line, like 
Zach Taylor just does nothing to adjust, makes no changes whatsoever. Like, do you remember we watched Burrow get hit more than any other quarterback in playoff history last year? And they never brought in extra tight ends and they never came in and blocked and they never added chip blockers. They never did anything to improve that. And Mixon's a good blocker. P. Ryan's a good blocker. Like, they've got guys there. And it just reminded me of the worst moments under the Bengals. And just, it's a step forward and five steps back for them right now. I found it. Rather ironic that uh, AJ Green scores an intercepted touchdown <laughs> or, or has that big interception, sorry, um, against the Bengals. And it was, a, it, and that came from a tipped Miles Garrett um, t- touch. And then Garrett then is a lead blocker on Joe Burrow downfield. Garrett had a, a one and a half sacks. He's the leading sack record holder for the Browns of all time. And Ollie Connolly says that he may be the best player in football. Build your defense around him. You've got to stop him. Um, but when it comes to the Bengals, they're, they're, they're shambolic, aren't they? Just shambolic. Again, so inconsistent. It's as though Zach Taylor's throwing darts at a board each week and hoping some some actually stay in. He's throwing them left-handed because he's he, he doesn't know what he's doing. Hopefully, one sticks in, um, and it's hit it, it's hit a, a high number because I don't think he knows what he's doing week to week. He he's leaving his team underprepared and potentially wasting one of the best talents or two of the best talents in the league in Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. It's 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 I'm going to say it again. It's almost criminal. They don't have a third real option behind those three guys. And the three are arguably the best three with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd as well. But to have Jamar Chase out of the game and to have the Brown secondary as bad as it is, Mike, and to have neither of those guys go over 50 yards, criminal. It's really criminal. And uh, I can imagine Simon Clancy sitting here just sort of rubbing his hands together about to go. By the way, 45 oh. minutes in and we haven't mentioned the Dolphins. So hi, Simon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, do you know what, man? I have to give it to the Browns for a start off. Like, I, I understand that it was it was the Nick Chubb ball at one point last night, 23 carries, and he had what, an average of about four and a half or something for each one. But for Brissette to go 17 to 22 in that game, we are going to have a really interesting prospect in a few weeks whenever Deshaun... Like, look, obviously Deshaun's going to come back in, but you've got Brissett there that has exceeded expectations with his Browns. The Browns have got it together, and I, I know they're 3-5, and five, but they've done better. I, I genuinely didn't think they'd win a game when Watson went out, so f- fair play to them. And Mario Cooper doing well. The Bengals, um, Frank Pollock could have an interesting week. I mean, this offensive line... Uh, it's been two or three years of question marks. They're up, they're down, they're in, they're out. I don't know what to expect, but for a team like the Bengals, okay, Jamar Chase is out. You went to the Super Bowl last year. They had, what, 27 rush yards last night with Joe Mixon. Nobody over 50 yards receiving. That is not good enough. And Joe Burrow last week had over four, was it over 400 yards passing. Like, just shocking it's, it was that bad that Ollie Hunter has dropped uh, off he's the livid stream. livid <laughs> the live stream today <laughs> has been a shambles and I am mostly responsible for that and I'm sorry that anyone who is watching the live stream or uh, or watching the video back on YouTube is now seeing me in my lovely pink living room instead of in my lovely coutured uh, office space he's back <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's 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 been a shambolic one from that front. Uh, yeah, Cincinnati it's as disappointing as a losing Super Bowl team in recent seasons that I can think of. Realistically, is that I'm trying to we we you mentioned it. We've not talked about the Dolphins. Came back from behind against the Lions. We talked about the Lions earlier. Tua was nigh on perfect this weekend. Was absolutely sensational. Not a huge amount to say beyond that. I mean, he is. I think he is what he is. He is we're in the right system and just forced to throw those kind of medium throws. He's super accurate. And he reads the field really well. And that, I mean, it's kind of perfect. It's set up for them perfect right now. Are there any other games from this weekend that anyone wanted to address, talk about anything we've missed and not mentioned? Um, I guess the Raiders getting shut out by the Saints is a surprise. Is it? I feel like if I, I feel like you know, in my position, if I say anything about the Raiders, they'll come out and score forty points this week. I will say very quickly the combination of Hill and Waddle to have was it uh, over two hundred and ninety yards combined, two touchdowns. If they turn it on, if they get that like wild card spot, they turn it on in January, lads. It's gonna be, 
It's going to be fun to watch in the playoffs. I think I feel like we're in for a stormer January here. Seriously. Uh, yeah, I I agree with you. I think January is going to be amazing, and it it's going to be uh, full of quality on the AFC side. And it's we it's kind of like and Tom Bowler. We don't know what's going to happen on the NFC side. A, a couple of things: Washington, Taylor Heineke just he seems to be rubbish for an entire game, and then pulls it out at at, at the end. They ended up beating the Colts seventeen sixteen, and Erlinger not looking particularly great but the Colts are I think they're rubbish they fired their offensive coordinator today um a friend of mine Sam who's is desperate for them to get rid of Frank Reich but then he's a West Ham fan who he's desperate to get rid of David Moyes as well so maybe he just doesn't like the head coaches of his teams uh, and then Green Bay versus Buffalo Will and I did most of this game together uh on TalkSport 2 and Buffalo just great a bit worrying a couple of weird um interceptions from Josh Allen, but they they look great on both sides of the ball. Stefan Diggs has the number of Green Bay yet again. Um, and the Packers, just that's the, the second half is how you sh- this team should be playing football. Just run um, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones down the down people's throats. And then that will open up the, the, the game for, for uh, Aaron Rodgers to start doing a little bit of dealing, a bit of game management. Second half, it was great, but we're too far behind the eight ball. Um, Matt Lafleur has has come out after the game and said, "Yeah, we're not in any. We're not thinking of changing our defensive coordinator uh, yet again." Joe Barry is slow out the blocks. I think there are individuals on that on that uh, side of the ball that are. Keeping Green Bay in the game, Jair Alexander had a good game, um, but they're keeping Green Bay from not being absolutely walloped. Um, so yeah, I just walloped, walloped. But um, I think there's. Uh, are are you going to lose for Green Bay? Are you going to lose to the Lions this weekend? Yes, we are. Yeah. <laughs> No, we won't. Wow. There we go. Oh, man. Put any money that you have. I don't... I'm sorry. Social media. I will never advocate betting. But if you are a betting person, perhaps look at Jamal Williams, who scored, I think, eight touchdowns this year, seven or eight. He's he's their goal line guy for, uh, for the Lions. And he's having a really great season. And I'm sure he and the Lions would love him to get into the end zone against the Packers. Uh, although Swifty is back, got a touchdown this weekend as well. Uh, so did Jamal, though. So DeAndre, DeAndre, Jamal got two. That's yeah. DeAndre rather than uh, Taylor, of course, who is an Ollie Hunter favourite. Uh, yeah. No one was aware of that. Uh, uh, Swifty! I'm not bothered about talking about Thursday night football. I'm just going to put it out there. Eagles win. The, Eagles, it, it, the only reason we're going to look silly is if the Eagles end up being... Uh, this is. I. I think there is a weird loss coming for the Eagles. I, I talked myself into it. They've. They're, they're like plus Not seventeen in like... their turnover margin. Like they are. That's. That's not sustainable in any way, shape, or form. I know the offense was brilliant this weekend, but I just. One of these games coming up. One of these three: Texans, Commanders, Colts. In fact, one of these four, if you include the Packers, I think they're going to have a weird loss in one of those games. I've just the way the NFL's going this season, it just feels like it. It'll be the Packers, won't it? <laughs> Is that game in Lambo? No. It's uh it's in Philadelphia. Lads, they're they're going past that Green Bay game unbeaten and then the whole thing gets interesting. I think they play like I, I've got them losing in Indian uh, in week what are we on? Nine, ten, eleven, week eleven. <laughs> Ooh, I mean, it, it could uh, be an interesting event. Short week after Monday night football, like, yeah. They'll lose Christmas Dallas. Eve. They'll lose Cri- Dallas Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve. Yeah. Oof. Merry Christmas. <laughs> what a game that could be. Uh, I, just to highlight a couple of games from week nine, though, I know there'll be the Gridiron Pick show later this week, which Michael and Dolly don't invite us on. Uh, honestly, it's one of the worst snubs of all time. It's absolutely These are more than welcome. Uh, I mean, well, we, we, uh, also, you know. also, do you remember like he asked us for our picks one week and did that really sexy yeah, graphic and it was loads great. of interaction for it, and then he's never done it I again t- I, I haven't the time. I want to do it. It took just two hours to make. I had to, I had to, I had to come and meet Stephen Atwater instead. Oh. <laughs> I had to put my front you met Steve as well. He was on your radio show 
show the other day. I mean, come on, lads. No, like, I, I, I really want to do that and I want to find a way to, because, like, the interaction's great crack as well and uh, some of the picks are great crack, so I will, I will try and bring it back, if not this weekend, the, the weekend after Munich when uh, I, was I say, can't the wait. After you're going to be in Germany getting pissed with me in a beer hall. Like, absolutely. I, I, I am drinking water only, but I will say this I cannot <laughs> wait until <laughs> February, February the 11th. I am going to share the, uh, I'm, 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 I'm going to share the picks from the start of the season. You know, the ones that Simon Clancy got famous for the the Bengals picks and stuff we're going to put that out the night before the Super Bowl that big sexy graphic and we're going to get the uh, all the slagging that we needed but well I think you had the Niners going to the Super Bowl only drinking water in Munich is the greatest and I'm realizing that I don't made. think Ollie Hunter was on that either so I feel bad that's oh. the boldest prediction of all time <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just want to highlight a couple of games from week nine which actually is an, uh, similar to the last two weeks in the early window there's a lot of games that look like mismatches, like on paper. There is a lot of bad-looking teams playing lots of very good-looking teams. I really like Chiefs Titans on Sunday Night Football because I, I actually think Tennessee, have at any point, has set up to beat Kansas City. It's finally now. But Bucks-Rams in the Battle of the Disappointments. Imagine the Buccaneers go to Germany, three and six. Ah, oh, would be great. But the Rams, like, losing record right now. Yeah. Shambles. Uh, do you know what the other game that I really like for it? There's, there's two others I really like this weekend. I really like Falcons-Chargers. Yeah. Because yeah. of how frisky the Falcons have been. And with the Chargers coming back off the bye and maybe looking a little healthy, can they show something? And I really like Bengals-Panthers after what we saw on Monday night. Because I think the Panthers are going to go to Cincinnati and win. I really do. I'm picking it now. I'm going this early in the week. I'm going early. I watch the Panthers go and trade away their two best players remaining. Uh, Someone will come in for Donta Foreman now. Um, didn't they turn away two firsts, though? Is that what, not what they're saying for Brian Burns? Two firsts, apparently. That's the rumor, yeah. But um, Cardinal Seahawks for me, boys. Cardinal oh, Seahawks. Yeah, that's a nice, that's a nice little one. I think, I think actually you've uh, done this slate of games a little disservice, Will. It's I think a sneaky good week. That's my point. There's yeah. no like, there's no blue chip matchups, but there's a lot of sneaky good games. And there's some good stuff in there. Like Bill's Jets, I, I know Zach Wilson's useless, but, but imagine if they bring back Joe Flacco for that. Um, and that Jets defense is real. That's a good defense going up against Josh Allen. Uh, Leonard Williams et al. I think that's kind of interesting. Um, I'm intrigued to see what the Vikings do against the Commanders. I'm not really intrigued in anything that the Commanders do, but let's see what the Vikings do against them. Um, I, I I like it. I like the I like the the slate of games. And then Sunday Night Football, you've got Titans Chiefs, two five and two teams. Chiefs back off of the bye. The Titans, who you know they 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 they're not as bad as everyone thought. I don't know how they've got to five and two. You're right. Well, they are a very forgettable team. I don't even remember any of their wins. Um, but that's an interesting game as well. I think it's a really really fun slate of games. And then Monday Night Football, Ravens Saints. <sighs> Great, love it. Uh, I'm going to finish the show on just a point that's been posted. I uh, Simon Clancy in our group just now. It's not his point. It's been come in via a tweet from Ian Kenyon. The Vikings sitting at six and one, trading for a Pro Bowl tight end, while Aaron Rodgers at three and five is throwing to undrafted free agents and day three picks. Well, yeah. TJ Hawkinson would have been great in Green Bay. He would have been. He would have been amazing. But they they love Robert Tunyon Rhymes with Bunyan and uh, Mercedes Lewis and Josh Degara. I mean, come on. Come on. I mean, we're, it's yeah. it's going to be intriguing to see what happens tonight. Because I know we're, we're not going to sit for the next five or six hours talking Come about on. trades. But... We can if you want. I mean, I've got nothing on this evening. I've got to go and build a table, actually. But as long as I can just turn my camera off and you just listen to me. like Pop back Come in. On. <laughs> um, I, I'll, I'll say it now. I think I'm going to call it out. 10 or 11 o'clock UK time, 6 or 7 Eastern. We're in for a storm or trade just before it closes off. Is it, hold on, is it 4 p.m. Eastern? So just before that. Wow, I'm getting the times mixed up. Just before it finishes, one big one. I think I think Bradley Chubb will go somewhere and the Broncos will get at least the first rounder. At least. Um, but I think we're in for a big one. Something's going to happen this evening, but uh, big thanks to the Lions and the Vikings for getting us some content this evening. Really appreciate it. Yeah, do you know, it'd be just Green Bay if they 
trade for someone on defense when Joe Barry's having an absolute nightmare and Aaron Rodgers still hasn't got anyone to throw to. That that is something that could happen. But Green Bay generally don't make trades. That's that's been the the case. But I agree with you. Something there's something in the air. Something is going to happen. Brian Gudekunst should be on the phone to General George and asking for Jerry Judy. That's what should be happening. Just get rid of that, S, no, and you're right. that's not happening. No. Just Bradley Chubb. I actually got a Stein ball behind me. I'm going to have to throw that in the bin at about 9 o'clock tonight. So. No, Chubby goes nowhere. Uh, Chubby goes nowhere. Judy to the Packers. It's not happening because the Packers never trade for anyone, but it's what should happen. I think they you should, should burn Bradley it. Chubb because he's really good. And maybe they could, maybe, maybe we could trade Hackett as well. Right now, pass rushes are not. That's why it would be mental. Anyway, I'm going to sign off. Uh, you two want to stay and chat through the trades, you can do. Otherwise, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Enjoy trade deadline. Enjoy week nine. Stick, stick around for the rest of the shows this week. Uh, subscribe to the Moran Connolly show, which is on now a separate feed. Uh, subscribe on all the good channels. We are going to be in Munich in two weeks and bring you loads of great content from there. So get involved. Thank you so much for listening and watching. This is going to be a good iron show.